while you're coming, I want to encourage you to trade in your androids. <clears throat> Come over to the bright side of life. Eh. I either had too much coffee or not enough. Hallelujah, Father. Today, the message won't take me too long. I think it's kind of short and really kind of simple. The, in fact, it's so simple that as I was meditating on it, I, Friday, I thought, you know what, I can't bring something this simplistic to RLC. So I switched it, and I began to work on another message that I'd been meditating on concerning time and the timing of God. And I got it about 90% done and realized I had missed it by dropping this message. So I had to put all that work away and come back to this one. And so I can confidently say that this is the message God wants you to hear this morning. So pay attention. Amen. This morning we're talking about keep it real. Keep it real. Turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. And when they put that up on the screen, we're going to pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. You send your word to instruct. You send your word to enforce, to encourage, to edify, to heal, and to deliver. So this morning, with willing hearts and open hearts and ears, we receive your word. And we pray in Jesus' name, the strong name of the Son of God, that you would create wellness with words this morning. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. That you move us out of the natural into the supernatural. And use your word as the avenue. Amen? Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, as we get into this relatively simplistic message, I got to tell you that in this one verse, there is so much that I'm going to chase rabbits all over the place. But I want to read the whole thing if I can and then come back and begin to disseminate it a bit. Genesis 3, 8 out of the New American Standard says, Now they heard the sound that they is Adam and Eve, the first couple. Okay, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, I want to go back and I want you to look at that word heard. They heard the sound. This word heard, it literally means with ears. It means it was a spiritual sound that they heard by a natural means because at this time heaven and earth overlapped there was the the natural came out of the spiritual but the spiritual was not disconnected through sin so there was an overlap so for Adam and Eve to see into the spiritual realm was naturally supernatural and they heard a sound and now this is where I want I want you to understand this because it's implied even though it's not stated they were familiar with the sound they heard they were familiar with the sound now the bible does not tell us people speculate but the bible does not tell us how long it was between the creation of man and the rebellion of man we don't know but we do know this from this one verse that it was long enough that adam and eve became well acquainted with the sound 
And they knew that this sound preceded his presence. Now, Jackie's sitting right here, and as a worship leader for some 30-odd years, she can tell you the presence of God is always preceded by a sound. There's always a sound that comes, right? Listen, majesty does not just walk into a room. Majesty is announced when majesty comes into a room, and there's always a sound when the majesty's coming into the room. Put up on the screen, if you would, 1 Thessalonians Chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a, with a, with a, a sound, a shout that's preceding his presence with the voice of the archangel and with the, of God. God doesn't come in quietly. Now, here's what we got. See, now, this Adam and Eve had heard this sound. They knew what the sound was. And in just a second, we're going to talk about what it was they heard. But whenever they heard it, another thing that's implied but not stated is they ran to it. Just like a little child who hears daddy's truck, eight-cylinder tundra, raised up, loud, pulling into the driveway. They run to the door because only daddy's truck makes that noise. Adam and Eve had clearly always run to Papa. This time they did something different and they hid themselves. Here's what I want to say. This is what's hitting in this verse. When you hear the sound, don't sit down and step back and hide yourself. See, in the presence of God is everything we need. In His glory is all of our necessities of life. When we hear the sound, how do you know when it's the sound? Oh, you'll know it. Because it'll resonate with your spirit. And you'll know this just ain't any sound. This is the sound. We need to be the type of people who don't draw back from that, but we run to it. We get out of our pews and we come down front because we're drawn to the sound. Because the sound precedes the presence. And the presence is where we were designed to be. Mm. When you hear the sound, move forward. This time what Adam and Eve had done is, when they heard the sound, the scripture says they hid themselves among the trees. And in my mind, I can kind of picture him going, shh, maybe he'll go away. How do you hide from God? Because, I mean, he's like God in everything. (laughs) Right? I mean, David tried, and David said, where do I go to get away from your presence? If I, I flee to the mountains, you're there, and... If I make my bed at the doorstep of hell, you're there. And wherever I go, you were there before I got there. You see in the night as clearly as you see in the day, and there's nothing hid from you. If a sparrow falls in the largest forest on the planet, you know. And yet here's Adam and Eve hiding behind the trees. Hiding from the presence of God. We're still talking about keeping it real. Because then God does this. Listen, put up chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord God 
called to man and said to him, where are you? Don't think for a moment God was looking for information. God ain't never clueless. He wasn't seeking information. I'm going to throw this out and then I'll go into it a little bit more in just a second. But in here, this one verse, we find something, a truth that runs all the way throughout the scriptures, past the pages of scriptures and into our very day, this day. The reality, the truth is the same. Here's the truth. God cannot heal what you conceal. God can't. This is the reason why when we're so busy playing religious games and wearing the mask and pretending everything's okay. God himself can't do anything with us. Why? Because God does not deal in the commodity of deceit. God only deals in truth. Truth is all he deals with. And so he calls us constantly out of our hiding places. So that he can not expose us to ridicule, but he can heal us of the pain. Grace calls so mercy can be applied. But people hide all the time. Adam hid behind trees. The Pharisees hid behind robes of religi, religiosity, religion. They hid behind robes. We hide in crowds. We hide ourselves. I recently heard, and when we get into keep it real in prayer, I'll touch on this. But I recently heard a father of the faith say, prayer is not playing nice with God. Man, that just like, I was like. Because you know how we pray. If we really want to impress God, we pray in Elizabethan English. Oh, thou lordeth, that sitteth high above thy heavens, far beyond the sighteth of maneth, in a place that we cannot findeth. And we try to impress God. Can I say this? God ain't impressed. Neither is he shocked. All he wants you is to be real. I, this is one of the reasons I love David. I'm going all over the place. I'm not finding my sister Fowler. I'm sorry. I work so hard to line it all up and then I mess it all up. I love David. Because David just kept it real. I mean, God, God said this of David. He's a man after my own heart. Because David wasn't perfect. Y'all know that? I mean, David, David wouldn't be a deacon in most of our churches. Because he messed up bad. And God said, I love that man. I'm going to raise that man up, and in his genealogy will come the Christ. I like this guy right here. But he wasn't perfect. But when he messed it up, he said, God, I messed up. I messed up bad. And he'd cry out to God. Listen, this is what God wants. This is the reason why God said to Adam, where are you? Why have you hidden yourself from me? And it doesn't matter what you hide. Listen, the thing that you think disguises you, it imprisons you. 
The thing that you use to conceal your imperfections becomes your confinement. And pretty soon you've built such a facade that you can never come out and be real. Because now you're afraid of exposure. But listen to me. Exposure in grace is never about ridicule or condemnation. Exposure in grace is about healing and redemption and reconciliation. But God does require you to drop the facade. To come out and say, look, this is who I am. Because he already knows. He knows where you went. He knows what... He knew what Adam and Eve were doing it while they were doing it. Because once again, he's God. But he's such a God of grace. I wrote this down. Listen, God doesn't need information, but God doesn't deal with deceit. God only deals in truth. He did not. He listened to this. He did not love the prostitute any more than he loved the Pharisee. And he loved the Sadducee as much as he loved the fishermen. So why could he not help the Pharisee and the Sadducee as much as he helped the prostitute, the tax collector, and the fishermen? Because of self-induced deceit. They would not admit they needed help. They were hiding behind their robes. They were hiding behind their ability to quote Scripture. You ever met someone you can't help because they're... They quote scripture at you. I mean, I had a woman one time come into a prayer line and she was dying because her kidneys were failing. I didn't tell her to come up. She came up of her own accord. And so I said, well, listen, this is what the Bible says. And she goes, I know that. Then what you up here for? I know that. I quoted another verse. I know that one too. Hiding behind the word itself because it's here but it ain't here the reason why he couldn't help some people is the same reason he why he can't help anyone who chooses to stay in hiding and they refuse to keep it real they would not admit they needed help put up on the screen john chapter 8 verse 32 I want to read this to you out of the Passion Translation. Jesus said this, speaking to these very people, if you embrace the truth, it will release more freedom into your lives. Surprised by this, verse 33, they said, but we're the descendants of Abraham, and we're already freeth. Listen to this. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How could you say that we will be released into much more freedom? They were living in an illusion. They totally forgot about Egypt. They forgot about Babylon to say we've never been oppressed by anyone. When they said it, there were Roman soldiers walking up and down the street. But we've never been oppressed by anyone. And you can picture him. He could not help them. Why? Because they refused to keep it real. 
They refuse to say, I need you. I need healing in my life. I need someone to mend my heart. I need someone to give me peace of mind. I need someone. And you're the one. Do you know you can, is this okay this morning? You can't even get saved if you're not willing to admit you need a savior. God is forever asking people the same question. Where are you? Where are you? Why are you not right here with me? To ask where are you is very similar to saying, how are you? Are you whole? Are you shalomed? God requires of us that we come out from our hiding places. Because I'm going to say it again. And understand this is a present day reality. It's a kingdom reality. God cannot heal what we conceal. Because in the act of concealing it, we're saying two things. Your grace is not sufficient. And your love is unproven. If I reveal myself to you, you may do what they did. You might cast me away. Can I chase another rabbit real quick? We live in a world of deceit. We, you and I were born into a planet built on deceit. Lies. Fakery and fraud. That's how people get ahead today. And since we're born in it, we become very well versed at it as a child. We learn to deal with the environment we're born into. And then as we grow, the fakery becomes even more necessary because I want to be part of the group. I don't want to be the outcast. So even when we're in grade school, we learn to ask the question, what do you need me to be so I can be with you? Who do you need me to be? Because I'll be whatever you want me to be. Just don't throw me away. And then if you've ever been thrown away, you try even harder. My wife could tell you that she's the only adult. Should I say she's the only person in my whole life up until I met her, I'd ever said I love you. Because as a child, I learned every person I loved left me. Everyone I ever loved abandoned me. So I learned if I didn't say I love you, then maybe you wouldn't abandon. Because in, in that childlike mind, that became the connection. My love caused you to go away. And so nobody wants to deal with that, so we learn to lie. And we build our lives. Even the most honest among us have lied. The motive can be different, but a lie's a lie. You might lie because you're trying to protect them. You might lie because you're trying to protect yourself. But God doesn't deal in lies. I've said, is this okay this morning? I, I've said this before, and I want to say it again. This is the reason why when you and I, in our journey with Christ, we come across a truly prophetic word, it never seems to fit us. You understand what I'm saying? Because God doesn't speak to the you you pretend to be. God don't even recognize that. God has never recognized the fake you. He only ever talks to the real you. But when you really think you are the fake you, and he talks to the real you, it don't seem to fit. This is why when he spoke to Gideon, he called him a valiant warrior. Gideon was hiding 
When he spoke to Abraham, he said, you're the father of many nations. He had no children. He looked at Peter. He said, you're the rock, man. You're a rock star. I'm going to build my church on you. God never deals with the you you pretend to be. Because he's never, listen, and God does not consider your history when he speaks to your destiny. He just doesn't. God, 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 when, oh, how do I say this? When the father looks at you, he does not look at you with a microscope. He looks at you with a telescope because he's looking far down the road and saying, this is what you can be. But the Pharisees look at you with a microscope. You know what I mean by that? Everything is under scrutiny. Do you remember that time you messed up? Well, here it is. I got it. It was this big, but in the microscope, it's this big. God doesn't use a microscope. God uses a telescope and he says, this is where we're going together. You and me. And so he speaks to the real you. Now, what you've got to do in order to come into that reality is come out from hiding. This is the reason. Is this um, my notes are gone, man. And I work so hard. This is the reason why the Bible says over and over and over again, be strong and courageous, be strong. And it never says be fearful and hide, be fearful and hide. You never find where God says this would be a good time to go find a place to hide. No, no. God always says, I want you strong. I want you courageous. I want you to come out from your hiding place. And I want you to move forward in life and become what I ordained you to be. The first step is to come out. What drives us in? Why did Adam go into hiding? Look at verse 11. No, verse 10. Verse 10, I'm sorry. He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. Can, let, me, let me go backwards, circle back a little bit. Here's, here's the sound that Adam heard. Because even though most translations say it this way, and I've never understood why they do it this way, but they're more scholarly than I am. But the word cool is the word rahah. It means wind. It refers to the spirit. It doesn't refer to a time of day. So what Adam heard was the same thing that they heard in Acts chapter 2. The sound of a mighty rushing wind. Adam heard the sound of the wind moving through the garden. He heard the sound of God's spirit. The rahah of God. He said, I know that sound. I've heard that sound before. And he went and hid. But we need to understand that this is what he heard. He heard the spirit of God moving. And he went and hid from it. Keith Moore one time said many years ago, when the spirit gets to moving, let him move. Become part of the move. Don't hide from the move. The spirit of God is moving today and we who have ears to hear ought to hear i heard the sound of you in the garden and i was afraid why because i was naked so i hid myself to be afraid listen to this it means to have fear anxiety shame I'm ashamed of who I am, so I hide myself from you. I'm ashamed of who I've become, 
So I hide myself from you. I'm ashamed of what I've done. I don't want you to see me for who I am, so I'll pretend to be someone else. Someone you, you know, Christians do this all the time. When my wife and I first came back, and some of you heard me say this, when my wife and I first came back after nearly a decade in Europe, I was amazed how every worship leader looked exactly like Darlene Shank or whatever her last name was. They all did the same. Every preacher, when I went to Ramah, every preacher walked like Brother Hagen. Brother Hagen was 83 years old, and we had 20-year-olds going, I'm like, dude, straighten up. You don't have spinal conditions. But we try to be what we think God approves of. And God clearly approves of cleave. That's a faith statement. So I want to become like cleave. But you know what? Can I say this to you? God approves of me. And God approves of Steve. And God approves of Bright. God approves of you. And he doesn't want you to hide behind my identity or anyone else's identity. He wants you to be who he created you to be. But somehow we, we live with those voices and we've all had those voices that told us you ain't good enough. Whenever I love reading the stories and studying the lives of successful people. And the one thing I find is true of every person who achieved success in life. They all had that voice that told them they never would. But I'm jumping ahead. I don't measure up. I'm not good enough. I have a sense of shame, so I hide. Now go to verse 11. And I love this. I love God. He's so wonderful. And he said, the Lord said, who told you that? Who told you that you were naked? God did not deny that Adam was naked. He just didn't address it. You remember when the prodigal son came home and he had rehearsed everything he was going to tell his father? If you read the story, what do you see that's similar? The father never even addressed it. The father paid no attention. He was too busy kissing him and hugging him and rubbing away the... You got some pig snot right there, so... He was too busy loving on to judge. So I love this about God. God doesn't say, no, Adam, you're not. Let's pretend you're not because God doesn't deal in pretense. He did not die, deny the present reality, but what he asked was this, and this is another thing that is so deep and so huge. Don't miss this. Who told you that? Who told you you could never be what God called you to be? Who told you your opportunities in life were over? Who told you that you were too old? Who told you? Because, see, we all have those voices. And many times we belittle and demean our own dreams in order to fit them. I tell you what, I love Steve Harvey, but he, Steve Harvey, he perplexes me. Because on the one hand, he's like giving God all this adoration, and then the next hand, he's dropping F-bombs. I'm like, okay, dude, but that's Steve. And recently I heard him talk about a teacher. Two things. He said, he said when he was a child, he was born with the dream of being on television. That's the only dream he ever knew. But his mom, when he shared it with his mom, listen, everyone say mom. How many of you know your mama ain't God? 
When he shared that dream with mom, mom said, Steve, go look in the mirror. You ain't cute. In fact, she said, we ain't got no cute men in our family. You'll never be on TV. Be a good man, but you'll never be a cute man. Then he said he had a teacher. When You remember how when you were like in grade school and you have to talk about what you're going to do? I'm going to be an astronaut, a policeman. I'm going to be the president, whatever. He said, I'm going to be on TV. And this one teacher made him stand in the front of the class and speak because he was a stutterer. And in front of the whole class, she said, Mr. Steve Harvey, you'll never be on TV. Give up that dream. So he said now every day on her birthday, he buys her a flat screen TV so she can't miss him on TV. (laughs) What am I saying? I'm saying who told you to give up on your dream? Who told you to settle for this when God called you to that? Who did you deny yourself in order so you could fit in with them? Who are they? I mean, every, y'all ever heard of someone called Toby Keith? Garth Brooks? It doesn't matter who you name, every one of them, they were told by someone that was an expert in their industry. They would never, T.D. Jakes was told you would never be on TV. You're too fat, your skin is too dark, and you're buck teethed, toothed, whatever you say. He's got a gap. They said, you're fat. And you're black. Who told you that? Is this okay? So what God is saying is he's saying, I want you to hear my voice over their voice. Because they're not the ones who ordained your destiny. Don't don't surrender it to them. Can I keep going? Is this okay? Can you all give me a few more moments? I told you it wouldn't be long. Hmm. The first thing I want you to notice is that Adam hid from God, not because of the guilt of his sin, but because of the shame of his nakedness. Most people do not regret what they did. They regret what the act resulted in. I've counseled with men that cheated on their wives, and they never say they're sorry they're cheated. They're sorry their wife found out. Most people... Deal with shame, not sin. And there's an old saying that says this. Is this okay? If sin be a prison, shame be the bars. Shame will keep you in the sin. Shame is a painful emotion caused by consciousness of guilt, shortcoming, impropriety, a condition of humiliating disgrace. Now, notice something about shame, and this is what Adam was dealing with. It's caused by guilt, but not just guilt, also shortcomings. And it's a condition of humiliating disgrace. Put this slide up there about disgrace, please. I want everyone to see this. What is disgrace? The word dis literally means asunder or apart. So shame separates you from grace. Shame keeps you apart from grace. Grace is the very thing you need. 
So here's what you need to understand. Grace is the antidote for shame. But you have to hear the voice of grace saying, come out, come out, wherever you are. From the north, the south, the east, and the west. Come out from hiding. And come to the spirit of grace. Come to Christ. Hmm. Grace, before grace can be applied, one must come out from hiding. Grace calls you out of shame. Mercy then erases your sin. I think I might say that again. Grace calls you out of shame. Mercy erases your sin. The first step into recovery, redemption, or restoration then is exposure. God could not extend grace to Adam until Adam exposed himself by stepping out from behind the wall of shame. And I said it already, but the thing that conceals you serves to constrain you. Whether it's trees or robes of righteousness, it doesn't protect you, it imprisons you. And there's a verse that most saints like to quote, especially if you're inclined to prayer. It says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth muchith. Do you notice how I got spiritual? But that verse, listen, that verse doesn't abide or stand alone. It's part of a larger writing. Put up James chapter 5, verse 16, please. This is where that verse is pulled from. Therefore, confess your sins. No, 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 no. I only want the latter part of the verse. A prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But before it says that, it says, confess your sins to one another and pray one for another so that you may be healed. Again, it calls. Now, listen, this is the reason why. If you're watching me online, hear what I'm saying to you. You better be in a church of grace, because if you're in a church filled with Pharisees and they find out you got a fault, they're going to crucify you. Because something about the doctrine of the Pharisees, they don't permit imperfections. And I'm not, listen, this ain't just about being a Baptist. I, I, I was raised in Word of Faith churches, and I'm going to tell you some of the most legalistic, and I'm saying it online, some of the most legalistic people you'll ever meet are Word of Faith people. Pentecostals can be venomous. So it's not about a Baptist church or Presbyterian church and don't ever say we the church. No, no, no. We got to be people of grace in order to be part of a church of grace. That means when you find out someone's got a fault, you better not judge them. You wrap your arms around them. Ye who are spiritual, restore such a one. Because in order for our prayers to be effective, we've got to be in a place where we're willing in love, soaked, grace-filled atmosphere to say, listen, I've got a problem. But most of us, we don't ever, we don't, oh, we don't ever want to do that. I heard Keith Moore one time say, can y'all give, this might have to be a part two, I'm sorry. Keith Moore one time was walking into a pastor's conference. And he said the Lord spoke to him and said, Son, do you want to know how I feel 
about that meeting. And Keith Moore said, yes, sir, I'd love to know how you feel about it. And I remember it's a pastor's conference. The Lord said, I don't like it. I don't like it in the least. I don't like it at all. And Keith was perplexed. Because there's some well-known preachers on the other side of that door. And this is what the Lord told him. The Lord said, I don't like it because on the other side of that door, everyone pretends to be someone they're not. A pastor of a hundred doesn't want to admit he's only got a hundred because he's talking to someone that has a thousand. And the guy that's got a thousand don't want to admit he's only got a thousand because he's talking to someone that's got twenty five hundred. And we compete with one another and I got to measure up. And so when they say, how many people are you running? You say, well, I'm too spiritual to count. (laughs) And what you're saying is I've only got 50, but I don't want you to know I only got 50. Because somehow, if I only got 50, then I'm not worth as much as you. Well, pastor, that's you ministers better get your act together. You business people better get your act together. Because you meet someone that's doing a million-dollar deal, you become ashamed you're only at a $10,000 deal. So you run out to buy a car you can't afford, a house that's too big for you to live in. Why? Because you're trying to impress someone you think's got it more together than you do. And so you want to have what they have and you can't afford what they got. So you break yourself against the rock. My God, can we just ever come out from hiding and just keep it real? And say, I'm not where you are, but I'm on the same journey. I might get there someday. But if my church never gets to 10,000, I'll pastor the 100 I've got with all of my heart. And if my business never grows to the multi-million dollar, I'll do the, everything I can with the $100,000. Willie George one time, who pastors one of the largest churches in the planet, said the problem with preachers is they pretend to be perfect. When he said that, I made a, I made a commitment that I'm going to let the cracks in my life be apparent. Apparent. Because if someone stands up and they say, well, you know, the first time I ever read Mark 11, 23, 24, I never had another headache. Then you're wondering, what's wrong with me? Because I've quoted the entirety of Mark and my head hurts right now. Everyone say, I'll keep it real. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, and I'll hurry. But understand, I'm on God time. A thousand years is as a day, and a day is as a thousand years. <laughs> Dear brothers and sisters, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. As I said, this requires to be people of grace because a legalistic church expels their weak members. When you are, listen to this, when you are in an atmosphere of grace, exposure is not dangerous, it's healing. So as I try to bring this to a close, let's get back to the, God said, where are you? He said, I'm ashamed, I'm afraid. God said, who told you? Who told you you're unqualified, unloved, and unwanted? Who told you you didn't measure up and you weren't good enough? Who told you that your dream was stupid, your purpose useless, and your destiny hopeless? Who drove you into hiding? God will always call you out of hiding. Listen to this. The enemy pointed out Adam's deficiency to cause him shame 
separate him from grace and to cause him to hide from the only one who could heal him. That's sick. But that's what the devil does. And it's amazing how many people carry what they hear with them for years. Some mature adults are still carrying what they heard as children. Some saints are still struggling against what they heard years ago from a pulpit. What they told you, listen to this, what they told you was irrelevant. The question is not what they said, but who they were. Were they qualified to say what they said? And can I answer this? The only person qualified to speak to your destiny is your creator. Always answer the question of who before you run with the what. And I'll close with this. Years, I mean, for years, when I was a child, and some of you know my story, dropped off on my grandma's doorstep with a garbage bag. They didn't even bother to knock on the door. <laughs> when my grandma opened up the door, actually, I think it was my Uncle Henry. He recently told me it was him. When he opened up the door to go do something, I was standing there, dirty, filthy, about eight years old, garbage bag that had all my dirty clothes in it. And I don't know how long I'd been standing there. That, that leaves a mark on a young soul. And, and I guess I was. I don't know if I was. I probably was. But all I ever heard in my life was, you're lazy. You're lazy. You're lazy. You're lazy. You're lazy. And that stayed with me. Even after I got married, my wife would tell me, Jimmy, you need to stop. You're working too hard. You're constantly, you're still trying to prove to your grandmother who died in 1985 that you're not lazy. And she said, and this was, she'd say, I've been married to you for 30 years. You're not lazy. But see, there was a wound in my heart because I kept hearing this voice. And this voice, by calling me lazy, was saying, you'll never amount to anything because you're too lazy. You won't study. You won't show yourself approved. And so I was trying to prove to God I wasn't lazy, and I was trying to prove to my wife I wasn't lazy. And sometimes I would work so hard I'd end up hurting myself physically. Some of you know that. You've seen me do it. I'm not, I, I, I abide in a church full of mamas who tell me, now, Pastor, grow up. <laughs> Quit doing all that. But see, I had to answer the question, even after years, who said that? Who, who, who told me? It wasn't God. God's never said anything derogatory about me. The only thing God has ever said is, I love you. You're worthy. I'm rather fond of you. So for all of us, here's what I want to say, and I bring this to a close. Go ahead and stand up. There is a wonderful... God-ordained destiny for you. Your life ain't over. So don't think age disqualifies you. Because when we yield ourselves completely to the grace of God, He can do more. If we only got one year of life left, that one year He can, he can pack in decades of grace. And that last year of your life will leave a mark upon this planet that's not easily erased. So there are no disqualifiers. All there is is grace. 
And so I'm not going to ask you to come forward except for if you need prayer and our work prayer team is up here. But I will say this, if you have never given your life to Christ, don't be afraid of Him. Don't hide away. Trust me, He knows everything about you and He still loves you.